hear it. If you turn with me to the book of 2 Peter, please. 2 Peter in the New Testament. It's at the back end of the New Testament. If you turn there for me, please. 2 Peter, second epistle of Peter. We'll read starting from verse 1 when you're there. 2 Peter, this is a very, very significant letter that Peter wrote. And it obviously follows 1 Peter. And quite an attacked book, one of the most attacked books in the New Testament. And uh, Peter even vouches for the validity of Paul as an apostle later on in this letter. He speaks a lot about the end times, speaks a lot about growth, about our faith. And we'll look at a little bit here tonight. If we look from verse one together. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and through the knowledge of our Jesus Christ, our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth, ye, yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Let's pray together before we look at the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can hold the word of God in our hands. We thank you that we can read it for ourselves and that you're your own interpreter. We thank you that the Holy Ghost that you've given to us will teach us all things. So, Father, please do teach us now. We thank you that the word of God is profitable for instruction, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. And we pray that all of those four things would take place tonight and yeah, even more. 
So please help your people here, Lord. Help me not to lean on my own understanding or my own wisdom or my own learning, Lord. Help me to follow you. Please lead me. Give me the words to speak to your people now. Please bless them greatly in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you look at verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's writing to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to people that are like-minded. They've received like precious faith, just like him. And he says in verse 2, we'll come back to verse 1, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. We'll just pause there. Simon's writing to believers and he says, you that have obtained like precious faith. Did you know that our faith, our faith of the Lord Jesus Christ is very precious, very precious. You do not find this in the world. You do not find a match like this or even something that could mimic this. You do not find it. The faith that's been given to you, that's been given to myself, that Peter speaks of is precious. Do you see your faith like that? Do you see your faith that's given to you by God? Do you see that as something that's precious? He continues on and he says in verse two, he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And in verse three, it says this, according as his divine power hath given unto us. Now, did you know that God doesn't just give us one thing? He's a God that keeps giving to us. He supplies all of our needs, yes, but he's given us of his divine power all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Did you know that we don't have to just live a life that's completely barren and unfruitful as he continues on to say, he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So therefore, Christians, we have no excuse not to pursue what he told us to do, to have life and godliness. As it also says that through his divine power, and it also says that we are partakers of his divine nature through Christ. If you look at Christ and his deity, we partake with Christ. We inherit with Christ. We are now like Christ only because of what he's done for us as sinful people. And he continues on to say, and he says it always through this, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of God in verse two, in verse three, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. In verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Great and precious, but we sung here, standing on the promises of God. We're teaching our Sunday school children at the moment, the promises of God. And we're going through several promises and we're teaching them that God does not lie. When God said something, he meant it. He meant what he said and he said what he meant, didn't he, when he wrote it. So if he's given us great and precious promises, they ought to be believed. They ought to be believed by Christians. And he continues on and says this, that by these, by these promises that are great and precious, by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You remember that when you was once in the world and it was just corrupt? You look back with your eyes that had now been opened, your soul's been revived, you look back and there was nothing in the world but corruption. Now you've escaped that. Thank God. And he continues on to say this. But now that you've escaped the corruption in the world through lust, 
Now that you've been given such great and precious promises, now that you partake of the divine nature, it says this, verse five, beside this, so next to this, alongside this, giving all diligence. Diligence means be very aware, be someone who's pursuing this, be someone who's taking this very, very seriously. In the book of Proverbs, it always compares opposites. If you look at verses, if you read Proverbs, it's comparing the diligent against the slothful, the diligent against them that sleep all the time. Giving all diligence adds to your faith. Now your faith is precious and something that is so precious that God calls it precious ought not to be neglected. So if you have something that's very precious, to be precious means it's valuable. You know that God identifies our faith as valuable. If I was to have some precious stones, you say, well, they're worth a lot of money, aren't they? Well, our faith is worth even more. We haven't been redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That which is truly precious is only found from heaven. And we've been partakers of that now. We partake with that. He's given us something so precious that we can now add to it as well. He says this, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Virtue has several different meanings. In the Bible, first time virtue is mentioned is when one of the women that had an issue of blood, she went up to the Lord Jesus and said, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And when she did that, he stopped and he said that virtue left him. Virtue can mean moral excellence, just a complete and utter uh, benevolent goodness that you can show that's virtuous. It can also mean just strength and power as well. He's saying this, add to your faith, strength, add to your faith, a moral excellence. Add to it. Do you add that to your faith, Christians? Do you add that to your faith? We can be partakers of that. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Now, I, I've underlined every time I see that word knowledge in the book of 2 Peter. I've seen it uh, four times and at the very end as well. If you go to the very end of 2 Peter, last verse, last thing that Peter says to these followers, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That is the last thing he, he signed off his letter with that. It sounds like that'd be pretty important to me. He says, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He continues on. He says, add to your faith knowledge. How much do you know of God? How much do you, do you know of God? Do you just know about God? Do you walk with him? And day by day, you know him more and more. First of all, if, if you don't know him, you can't add to that. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they might know thee. Once you know God, then you can add on that. But do you have eternal life? Have you been given eternal life through Christ? If you haven't, there's no way you'd be able to walk as a Christian because you don't have the divine nature there already. You haven't been born again, born of God. But Christian, you can, so you add to your faith. Give diligence to add to your faith. Verse six, and to knowledge, temperance. We think temperance means, we teach this to our Sunday school children as well. Temperance isn't just patience, it's, it's being disciplined, it's being sober. Temperance. Do you add temperance to your faith, Christian? Or is it just a light thing to you? It, do, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you, how you think, how you talk, how you act. You don't need to be temperate. Peter makes it very clear, add temperance to your faith. Add it to your faith. And to temperance, patience. Add patience to your faith. Any of you have children? You need patience, don't you? Add to your faith, patience. 
patience. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And to patience, godliness. Godliness means to be like God. Do you add that to your faith? Do you add virtue? Do you add temperance, patience? Do you add godliness to your faith? Is that important to you? And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now something I love about this church is that's no doubt every Sunday I come here and I'm greeted with such brotherly kindness. Such brotherly kindness. And then we have many unbelievers that visit. Many people, many unsaved family, relatives, friends, strangers even. They find this place and they say there's something about that place. It just I can't put my finger on it, but everyone's just so, they just, I can't. Something about it is those people, they're so nice and just, I don't get it. It's, why are they so kind? There's something about them. Is it the field? Is it the tent? No. No, it's Christ. Brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness means I treat you as if you're my own flesh and blood. The word kind in the Bible, the first time it's mentioned, kind refers to your kindred. You know, everything brings forth after its kind. It's referring to, you know, flesh of my flesh, as it were. If I would treat you like a brother, then I'm doing the right thing. Not just, oh, you're a distant Christian to me. You're from this background or that background or this country or this nation. No, no, I'd treat you as if you're my own household. That's brotherly kindness. Do you do that? We'd say we're a family, won't we? But do we act like it? Do you add that brotherly kindness to your faith? And to brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is an expression for love in the Bible. Not just love as in love is used in a very, very flippant way nowadays. Very, very flippant. Very, very shallow. It's not deep at all. Charity represents love that is sacrificial. Love that costs you something. How do you know that I love you? How would you know that? Just by what I say? How do you know a mother loves her children? Because, because she tells you that she does, she tells them, or because she shows it? That's right. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave up something very, very great, his life for us. That's true love. True love is sacrificial. I'll ask you a question. When was the last time you sacrificed something for someone? When was the last time you sacrificed anything for God? We say we love God, but does it cost us? Does it cost us at all? Or do we just name it? We say, oh, we're such loving people at our church, yeah, and it doesn't cost you anything. As wives, love your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Love your children. And uh, also in Titus, it tells the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands. It's not just about us. It's when we leave ourselves at the back door and we say we're going to put someone else first or we're going to put Lord first. That's true charity. If you go to 1 Corinthians 13, I'm sure you've heard of this chapter before. When I hear a, a chapter name or a number, I always think of certain things. If you look at verse 1, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church after many, many issues with the Corinthian church. Many, many mishaps, many fleshly incidences, much sin that they needed to purge. And there's disputing amongst gifts, healings, tongues. But between that, between chapter 12 and 14, we find this about charity. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You know what Paul said? He says, even if I could speak with such a heavenly voice, a heavenly language, even if I could speak from heaven and I don't have charity, I'm, I'm just noise. That's all I am. I'm just noise. I'm just an instrument that's going to be clanging. You don't know what I'm saying or doing. That's all I am. If I don't have charity, that's all I am. And he continues on to say this in verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy. 
Many people claim to have gifts, don't they? And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. We was talking about knowledge, adding to your faith knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Do you have charity? Maybe you're pursuing these things. Maybe you're just trying to be one of those academic scholars where you just knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. That's all you do. You like to have a good academic mind. You just like to layer up as much knowledge as you can. Is that you? Maybe you like to just understand the deep things, the mysteries of God. But I've, I've seen this and I've seen it creep into my own heart as well. Where I'm learning, learning. I'm, when I first got saved, I just wanted to know what God said. I didn't have any idea what the Bible was about. What I thought the Bible was about is what I saw on TV before I was saved. I didn't have any idea what it was about. I was like a vacuum just trying to take as much in as I could. And then it started to go to my head a little bit because I'm just learning, 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 learning. But anyone could do that. Any unsaved person can just read the Bible, memorize the Bible, and it means nothing. It doesn't work in them, both to will and to do. It doesn't profit. Are you just a Bible reader or are you someone that has charity? Are you someone that actually uses it? Are you someone that God can actually use to pursue something through a charitable act or are you just someone that lives for yourself? Just knowledge puffeth up. So I'm just going to keep on having my head swelled. Is that you? If you go back to 2 Peter, 2 Peter's towards the back end, if you've just come in, 2 Peter, he continues on and says this, add to your faith charity. For if these things be in you, this list of things, I hope you're making notes, this list of things, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you won't be barren, you won't be unfruitful. If you're adding to your faith, if you're not slack, if you're not giving due diligence, if you're just, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I go to church, you know, Christmas time, Easter time. I kind of pick up the Bible now and again. If you don't see your need to be diligent, there's a problem. You need to see your need to be diligent, especially in these last days. There is much deception at this time. If Christians ought to know their Bible more than any other time, it's now. Now. Do you give due diligence to add to your faith? In verse 9, he says, But he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old ways. So if you don't add to your faith, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to grow dim. You're going to start to lack vision. You're going to start to be blind. You're not going to be able to see afar off. So you can't see forward and you're going to forget that you were purged from your old ways. You're going to forget where you came from. You're going to forget what God's done for you. You're going to forget where you're going. And then you're going to act like a carnal man because you haven't been adding to your faith. You haven't been sowing to the spirit. So if you start to think like a carnal man, you'll act like one. And I'm sure we've all seen that before, haven't we? If you'll turn to the uh, book of 1 Timothy for me, please. Paul says something similar, very similar to Timothy. All the books that begin with T are all together in the Bible. 1 Timothy is just a few books, a few letters to your left. If you look at this, chapter 1, verse 4, he says this. Paul's saying this to Timothy. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions. I've seen Christians get caught up in things like this. Endless genealogies. You know what that means? You know what Paul said to Timothy? There is no answer to what you're seeking. It's endless. Don't give heed to endless genealogies or fables which minister questions rather than godly edifying. Edifying means to be built up. This is what we should be. People that are building our faith, growing and growing, as Peter taught. 
Godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. In verse five, now the end of the commandment is charity. It's funny how charity is the last one on that list that Peter gives. He says the end of the commandment or the final outcome, the goal of this is charity out of a pure heart. Now someone can do something nice for someone, but what is your motive when you do things? When you serve, when you labor, you might just be someone, you give someone a lift to church and they really appreciate it. But what's your motive? Is your motive to be seen? Is your motive to be noticed and be patted on the back? That's what we'd call a men pleaser. Just people that do things for other people's sake, just so that they can be seen amongst men. You'll have your reward if you're doing that for that reason. But the Bible says do it out of a pure heart. No ill motive, no selfish motive, no sinful desire in your heart when you do it. The end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. Do you have a good conscience? Or is your conscience seared? When you do things, you feel pricked at your conscience because you're doing it for a selfish reason or you're doing it for a lie. Maybe you're making out it's for one reason, but it's for another. You know what Paul said as he's, he's going through it in the book of Acts, he's going through and he says he, he earnestly wanted to have a good conscience before God and man. I look at Paul and I think I feel like such a wretch. He, his desire was to have a good conscience before God, before God. He sees all things. There's nothing can be hid from God. A good conscience before God and man. Is that you, Christian? Do you strive for that? Or do you just go out and live exactly how the world lives? Do you kind of just try and mix in as best you can? Come to church, you act one way, leave, you act a completely different way. A good conscience before God and man. That's what Paul said. And he commands the same thing to Timothy. Charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and a faith unfeigned. Faith unfeigned. That means don't be fake. Don't have a faith that's fake. If you go to Romans chapter 12 for me, this has really been pressing on me since we looked at it. Uh, We did a Bible study maybe a month or so ago at the chapel. Uh, Romans chapter 12, if you're there. Romans chapter 12. And we did a Bible study about this. And this verse, whenever I see this verse, I always feel pricked at the heart because if you look at um, verse 10, it says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Now, I know these are probably the most hospitable people I've ever met, most people that are under this tent. And I mean, they'd give me the shirt off their back if they needed it, even if I didn't ask for it. So many people... Like I'd have so many places to stay if I was in a time of need. I was speaking to a sister in the week and she said, some people have been so kind to me, Christians, over the years. And I didn't even ask for anything, but they supplied my needs at a cost to them. They didn't give out of their abundance, but they gave out of their cost to supply my needs. And if you continue on, it says this, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that do weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, Paul says this all the time. And he also says, don't let love be without dissimulation. 
You know what I mean? Have you ever been on a simulator before? We always used to, when I was younger, we used to go to the cinema. There'd be a simulator there. You'd jump in there, pay your four or five pounds. Uh, when they rip you off, they give you a quick journey, as it were. And it would simulate as if you was on a roller coaster. You ever been on one of them? Yeah. How did it feel when you jumped out? Nowhere near like the real thing, was it? Did you know our faith shouldn't be as a simulator? Let love be without dissimulation, Paul says. Don't be fake one to one another. Don't be fake. And when you're fake, you can see it a mile off, can't you? You can see it a mile off. So when we treat each other the way we do, let's do it with a good conscience and a pure heart. Let's not do it with a fake heart. Let's not do it with fake love. We see enough of that in the world. Six days a week, I'm in the world and I see it. Let's not see it in church. Be good one to another out of a pure heart. And if you go back to 2 Peter, go back to 2 Peter, we'll continue on what Peter's saying to these believers. 2 Peter. In verse 10, he says this. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence. I've, I've circled that in my Bible. Wherever it says diligence, I've circled that. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. You know when God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, how he redeemed us, he came down, plucked us up. You know what we should do? Make our calling and election sure. Do you do that? In the book of Titus, it says that, you know, we which have been saved should maintain good works. You know what that means? I'm a a maintenance engineer sometimes. And what I have to do is I have to go and fix things that break down. Things don't just stay the way they are. They always break down. So it takes someone to go and maintain it, to go and fix it, build it, edit it, do whatever's needed. That's what you should do to your faith. Maintain good works. It says that three times in the book of Titus, maintain good works. So give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And like I said, our election is very precious. Can you believe that God would show his love toward us? Can you believe that? How precious is that? How precious that he would give Jesus on the cross for my sin. Greater love hath no man than this. He says, if you do this, if you make your calling and election sure, if you do these things, you shall never fall. You shall never fall. If you add to your faith, if you give due diligence, if you add, if you maintain, if you pursue, if you make your calling and election sure, you won't fall. If I fall, I'm likely to cause others to fall as well. So I should take heed to myself and take heed to other people, especially if you have children. They're looking at you. They're watching you. Give due diligence. Add to your faith. It continues on. It says this in verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you. That means God will provide a doorway for you. God will provide a way for you. It shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent. He will not neglect this. He's he's earnestly imploring these believers to put you in remembrance of these things. Though you know them and be established in present truth. Let me tell you something. You might have already read this a hundred times. You might already be aware of this. You might think, yeah, I need to add virtue, brotherly kindness, yeah. Okay, charity, I know I need to work on that. Maybe you think you've got it all figured out. Maybe you think, I've already done that. Even if you know them, you ought to be put in remembrance of this. That's what Peter said. Even if you know these things, even if you're a very, very mature Christian, 30, 40, 50 years, add to your faith continually. 
Don't grow slack in your faith, no matter who you are. He that thinketh he stands needs to take heed lest he'll fall. Lest he'll fall. Now, sometimes I think, no, I've got everything covered. You know, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. And then, and then lo and behold, God will humble me. God ever humbled you before? It's frightening, isn't it? So let's humble ourselves before God. Let's add, like he told us to. Let's add. Let's, let's maintain our faith that is very precious. Now, whether you maintain it or not shows how you look at your faith, which is Christ's. Do you see your faith as precious? Is it valuable to you? Or is it just something, a one day a week, maybe once a year thing to you? Is it precious? The redemption of our soul, the forgiveness of all of our sins, the fellowship with God, is that precious to you? It should be. In verse 12, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. I love how Christ chose his disciples and then Peter is just earnestly imploring these believers. He cared so much about them. And no doubt we have many, many leaders, many people, many teachers that help us like this, don't we? Our pastor even, who cares about our church, he feeds the flock. It's important to have people like this. And uh, we've been starting a discipleship program, as it were. If you're going to be doing that, if you're going to be helping someone, assisting someone, these are very important steps for new believers. Make sure you're what you are so that you can help them add to their faith. This is something we ought to take very seriously. That's what diligence means. Be very serious, Christians. Verse 13, it says this. Sorry, let's look at the latter end of verse 12. Always to put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet. That means he thinks it's suitable. As long as I'm in this tabernacle, he's not talking about a tent, by the way. He's not talking about his temporary living. He's not talking about... He's in a gospel tent meeting like this. He's talking about his body. He says, while I'm in this tabernacle, I think it's me. It's suitable that I say this to you while I'm still here, while I'm still alive on this earth to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. If Pete was here, he could be saying this to believers. It's important for me to stir you up. Are you adding to your faith? Let's stir you up and put you in remembrance lest you forget. Be stirred up, Christian. Don't be stagnant. Don't get too comfortable in this world. Now, some people, they'll get stuck in a good church, maybe in, in a good fellowship, in a good congregation. After a while, they just get comfortable, maybe. Have you started to grow comfortable? Maybe you're once on fire for God. Maybe you're once zealous of good works. And now you just started to take it very easy because you think, I already know all this. I've already paid my dues, as it were. No, give diligence. Diligence. Peter said, even if you know these things, I'm putting you in remembrance of it. You need to hear this. He continues on, says this knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor, that means he'll pursue, that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He's saying, when I'm dead and gone, when I go and be with the Lord, make sure you remember these things that I've spoken to you. Make sure you add to your faith. Give diligence to your faith. If you go to 2 Timothy now, 2 Timothy, again, that's with the books that begin with T, with Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. If you go to 2 Timothy, I got you to look at 1 Timothy earlier. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, we'll look at verse 15. Paul is saying things similar to Timothy. In verse 15, it says, study to show thyself approved unto God. I hear this verse quoted over and over. 
ever since I got saved. I'd hear this quoted over and over. But what people forget to emphasize is the Bible says, study to show thyself approved, singular. Study to show thyself, you personally, singular. Christian, do you study to show yourself? The Bible says that we should read, we should study. It also says we should meditate. Those three things. Make sure you add those. He says, study to show thyself approved. He's not just speaking to a group of people. Thyself. Do you study the word of God to show yourself approved unto God? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. That means they've gone aside. They've erred. They've gone the wrong way. And it says, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. You know what these people were teaching, Hymenaeus and Philetus? They were saying, well, the resurrection's already come. And some people use the term rapture. The rapture's already come. Christ already came for his people. And then it overthrew the faith of many. Can I ask you, if heresy like that was to come in amongst here, would it overthrow your faith? There will come a time where people say, where is the promise of his coming? I thought he was going to come. He is going to come. How is your faith? Standing strong. Christ said, it's regarding prayer, but Christ said, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That means will he find people looking and seeking him when he returns? If it was this tent, will he find people here seeking him? By the grace of God and his help, I'll be seeking him, Lord willing. And you will too. It says here, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. And we can stand sure as well. You know what? You may shake, your faith may shake, but the foundation of God stands sure. It's built upon a rock that will never, ever shake. Having this zeal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know what that means? You call yourself a Christian, depart from iniquity. Iniquity is an inward wickedness where you plot and plan to make your own ideas and your own sin come to pass. You kind of plan things out and you like to live things your own way and kind of hide and you're acting deceitfully. That's iniquity. It's not just a trespass where you might, oh, I stumbled across a line. No. If you name the name of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, please do everyone a favor. Depart from iniquity. Don't portray yourself as a Christian and live just the same as the world does. As wicked as they are, the same unfruitful words that they speak. Depart from iniquity. It says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these... Purge means to, to be pressed out. So whatever you need pressed out, like uh, I work in air conditioning, plumbing, electrical work. If we purge something, we'd get air and completely press it out. Whatever needs to be gone, it's completely gone. That's what purge means. If you purge yourself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Uh, me and David always speak all the time, you know, are you ready? Are you prepared? We say we always have to be ready. Always have to be prepared. 
Paul said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul was always ready to live for God because he dwelt in the presence of God. If you look at someone like Enoch, he walked with God. The same God yesterday, today, forever, we can walk with him. We can walk with God. Be ready. Be prepared. It continues, it says this, unto every good work. Verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they do gender strife. Now that thing again, foolish, unlearned questions, all they do is gender strife and contention. There's no profit about it. Like he said about endless genealogies, just vain jangling, it's just noise. And a few of us brothers are speaking. Now, there is a lot of wickedness going on in the world right now. A lot of confusion, a lot of debate about everything. We know that the Bible says, this is my foundation. If the Bible says it, then I'll believe it. But the Bible says that the whole world lies in wickedness. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. I believe that. But now we're seeing it manifest. Now we're seeing great deception throughout all the earth. Some people can go too far with the theories though, can't they? Some people go way overboard and then they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're at. They don't know the final answer. This is the final answer. So as Christians, we have the truth. When topics and subjects like that come up, give them the truth. And then they'll have a foundation that's sure like we do. It continues on. Verse 22, if you will look there with me. Flee also youthful lusts. You know what that means. Youthful lusts. That could be just cravings, desires for young people or immature people, as it were, or people that are young in the faith that might struggle with these things. It also means flee youthful lusts. In another scripture says, flee fornication. Run away like Joseph did. Flee youthful lusts, but follow righteousness. What are you following in your life? Everyone looks away. What are you following in your life? Now, there are millions and millions of people in this country following 11 men running around a football pitch dressed in white with all their hearts. Believe me, I've seen it. All their hearts. They'll get covered in beer. They will scream and shout. They will fight and die for football teams. And they will follow it through to the end, some of them. What do you follow? Do you follow righteousness? Do you follow righteousness? Are you living a righteous life? Faith? Charity, is that something you follow? Is that something you're adding to your faith? Something you follow, in order to follow something, you have to look at it. Otherwise, you don't know what you follow. Where should our eyes be? Fixed upon the Son of God, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank God he's the author. He has penned it down. Thank God. He's the finisher of our faith. Let's follow him. Let's keep our eyes on him. Faith, charity, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. With believers. It was seven and a half years ago when God convicted me of my sin. He showed me my only hope was Jesus Christ. And I couldn't do anything else but call upon him. Have you called upon the Lord out of a pure heart? If you haven't, you should. You need to. All the way dating back to the book of Genesis. In the days of Enos, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, do you follow those things with other believers? This isn't just like a solo ride. This isn't just an individual walk. We are of a fold. There are reasons there were 12 disciples. 
We have fellowship. And by the way, like I said, we're a family. We might need one another. Do you follow that? If I follow it, I can say to you, come and see my zeal for the Lord. Come and see. And I say, I'm following righteousness. I'm, I'm looking unto Jesus. Come on, let's go. Otherwise, someone might be able to pick me up and do the same to me. Or worse, I could live in the flesh, not flee youthful lusts, just vain jangling, just emptiness in life, follow the way of the world, and I end up dragging you down as well. God forbid. Let's help each other up. Let's build each other up. Let's add to our faith. Do you add to your faith? What would help is if we did see that our faith was precious. How do you see your faith? How do you see what the, the grace of God has come to us? How do you see the son of God that's given us all that he has? He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we have no excuse. He's given us his spirit. We are partakers of the divine nature. And he's gone to prepare a place for us. This short time here, what are we living for? What are we living for, Christians? Or are we living for, in verse 23, foolish, unlearned questions, knowing they do gender strife. Is that what we're doing? We're just trying to seek out things that are just meaningless. Meaningless things. Or are we actually adding to our faith? Go back to 2 Peter for me, please. 2 Peter. I love these books, 1 and 2 Peter. They've helped me a lot in hard times as well. Verse 15, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Not only would, it, would someone who's teaching or someone who's preaching to you give this to your remembrance, teach your children this. Put them in remembrance of this. Put each other in remembrance of this. Husbands, wives, edify each other. Help one another. If you don't, you'll end up forgetting there's a reason why people forget that they were purged from their old ways. There's a reason why people end up being blind and they can't see afar off. Remember, have a pure heart, a good conscience. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? They shall see God. Do you see God moving? Do you see God working in your life? When we went to Northern Ireland, I saw God lead us in such a way that not shocked me, but it really strengthened my heart, knowing that God was with us, knowing that he was leading us and being with other believers that we were just fully, four men, just trusting in God. We could have said, we know the terrain, we know the land, we know where we're going, what we're doing, we have these plans. Every day we're very flexible, just trying to trust God and he led us. Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways. Do you acknowledge God in all your ways or just at the very hard times? Just the things that you think are impossible to you, then God can handle that. Acknowledge him in all thy ways and he shall direct thy paths. He shall do it. If you add these things to your faith, you shall not fall. If I was to ask all of you, do you want to fall in your faith? Of course, you'd shake your head. But does your life reflect that? Christians, it's time to wake up and be diligent. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that we have a faith that is very precious. We thank you that we can partake with you. We thank you that we can, we can name the name of Christ. Help us not to hold iniquity in one hand and hold a Bible in another hand. Help us not to regard iniquity in our hearts, Lord, 
and then try to have a pure heart that's full of the word of God. We do pray that we'd purge ourselves and add to our faith. We do pray that you'd help us and build us up, Lord. Help us not to just be like a ruined building where people would walk by and laugh and make fun, Lord. Help us to be uh, a building, a steadfast foundation that is sure and steadfast that will never move. Help us to be a godly fit vessel, fit for your purpose, Lord. Meet for the master's use, we do pray. Please help us be with everyone here. Please bless them, strengthen them and encourage them. We do pray that you'd show them what needs to change. Please challenge them, prick them, help them in every which way that they need, Lord, in Jesus' name.